0: Alrighty, let's let's begin with a word of prayer. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um Almighty, everlasting God, through your only Son, our Blessed Lord, you commanded us to, to love, to love, love, our enemies, to do good to those who hate us and to pray for those who persecute us. Therefore, we earnestly implore you that by your gracious working... Um, um, excuse me. Therefore, we earnestly implore you that by your gracious, gracious... Working our enemies may be led to true to true repentance, may have the same love toward us as we have toward them, and may be of and may be, and may be of one accord and of one mind and heart with us and with your whole church through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Okay. So we're in Habakkuk chapter 3. Before we dive into our discussion and everything, how about let's just read through it. Who wants to start us off? We've got 19 verses. If somebody wants to take it on all by themselves, go for it. If you want to split it up, let's just have someone start.
1: A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shignoth. Shaking off, <laughs> Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O oh Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands. Where his power was hidden, plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushan. In distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O oh Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your, with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You call for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and breathed. Torrents of water swept by the deep broad and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens and the the glint of your flying arrows. At the lightning of your flashing spear, in wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threatened you thresh the nations you came out to deliver deliver your people you save your anointed one you crushed the leader of the land of wickedness you ripped him from head to foot with his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us gloating us though about to devour The wretched who were in hiding, you attempted, you trampled who were in hiding, churning the great waters. I heard in my heart, pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. For the director of music, on my stringed instruments. That's
0: it. Oh, on my yeah. stringed instruments. Mm-hmm. It's a psalm. Uh, or his psalm. Or his prayer through a psalm, right? Through mm-hmm. a psalm. So, um, Habakkuk. Chapter three is about his psalm of praise. So uh, we have look, discuss, and apply. For the look portion, uh, verse two, uh, he writes, "In wrath, remember." Uh, he he writes, um, "In wrath, remember mercy." We might pra- we might paraphrase like this: You are filled with wrath over the sins of your people. But in the midst of all your wrath, remember your, 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 excuse me, your mercy. Okay? Uh, Verse 3, Teman and Paran. Teman means Southland, the area south of Judah. Mount Paran is south of Kadesh Barnea. The following um, verses recount the exodus from Egypt. Okay? Uh, verse 14, uh, with his own arrows, Jesus defeated the powers of death by entering death for us and by coming out the, the, the victor, okay? So that's very poetic there, right? Uh, verse 14, um, you pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret, Um, By death, Christ conquered death, right? All right, um, any questions about the look portion? Anything about this chapter in particular or generally? Before we go into it on the discuss. Okay, pretty straightforward. So what is the main request Habakkuk uh, provides in this prayer? Mercy, mercy. Yeah. Um, so, how does how does he off how, how does he request mercy? Um, there's kind of two parts of this, right? What is what does that first part of his prayer talk about? We mentioned the Exodus, right? Um, He talks about how, uh, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, he talks about how God showed His glory and power in bringing His people out of the land of Egypt, right? Um, so He prays for His 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 mercy, and He's quietly confident of God's ultimate deliverance, even in the midst of great distress, right? Um. So in this sense, you know, Habakkuk knows what's coming, right? The exile is coming. The great exile where they will go off to Babylon. So um, with that, there are going to be people who are swept up that are blameless. Yeah. Uh, There are going to be people who have done all the things they should do in faith. And they're going to be caught up in saying, oh, why am I being punished? For all this stuff going on, right? I didn't do all the stuff that God is punishing, and yet uh, it's one of those things of that what the sins that a uh, that a, that a people commit, you know, if they are grave enough, everyone suffers the consequences, right? It's 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 kind of like um, it's kind of like a family on some level, right? Where if you have, uh, let's just. Use this one example. You can use multiple examples in a family. Let's just say um, that you have a a a cousin or a not too distant relative who is just not a good and godly person, right? And they act like it. They you know get drunk, or they you know get drunk all the time. They do drugs. They or, or they're just like they're in and out of jobs. They're promiscuous. There's all kind. They do all kinds of Terrible things, right? Nobody can trust them. That's kind of a stain on the family, right? I mean, you love them, you want them to get better, but until they do, they're still the whole. The whole family is kind of brought down in their um, regard by other people, whether that's right or wrong, right? Um, and and even so, even and even more than that, you know, it's like um, if a, <laughs> let's just say. That and I, I know of someone who's had this happen to him. Let's say that your child, your son or your daughter, gets involved in one of these scams that says, you know, I need you to send me so much cash or so much, so much, uh, so much in like gift cards, you mm-hmm. know. And they send you know thousands of dollars to this person, and it's it's gone, it's gone and your child does that and they're not even 18 yet, but they're, they have their own account because you're trying to teach them responsibility, who's got to pay for that? Well, the parents didn't do it, but they have to cover for their child, right? They have to suffer for their child's fault, right? So it's one of those things of that um, Habakkuk sees what's going to happen. He sees that everyone is going to suffer on some level, so he asks that in the midst of all this, he would still show his grace and his, and his, his, his mercy, right? Um, that he remembers, because this has been said a lot, it's all reflected all throughout the scriptures, you know, through Exodus, Deuteronomy, the Psalms, um, I mean, the prophets. Remember the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, Remember what he did for you, right? And because of what he did, be obedient, yeah? Because of what he did, give thanks to him and serve him gladly because he is a good and gracious God. He saved you when you, he saved you even though you had no right to it. And now you give him thanks by obeying his commandments, right? Um, It's not the other way around. Obey his commandments and then and And then he will give you life everlasting. No, you have life everlasting, so now you joyfully do what he asks you to do, right? So um, it's one of these things of that you remember God in the past, and so he wants to do the same thing to his people now. Those who are uh, still um, keeping his commandments, who are still holding on to his promises, those who trust in him, show them some kind of clemency on some level right keep them in the true faith yeah um, any thoughts on that? That, that, that the first question the main request of Habakkuk here
2: and he's also reminding the people that they have to be patient and mm-hmm. understanding that all through the ages God's brought them out of miserable situations that they got themselves into yeah, yeah. Um, and he's still a loving God will still do it again as you if if you stay in the faith yeah, if you trust in him
0: right mm-hmm. and and we don't like to talk conditionally about these things, but it's true on some level there is a conditional aspect of things that do you trust him or not right um what needs to be clear about the condition is that you have no ability within yourself to trust in him he has to instill that faith in you, right? Um, It's not a matter of saying, you know, well, do I want to worship the God of the Babylonians or the God of my fathers? "Mm, It's my choice. You know, either you trust Him or you don't, right? It's not about weighing the options. There's only one true God. You either believe it or you don't. And you only believe it according to the power of the Holy Spirit or not, right? Um, It's hard to talk about because you have to trust God a lot. You know, to say, Lord, can you give me more faith, please? That that would be really wonderful. Because I can't have enough faith on my own by myself in you. You got to give it to me, right? And because I'm asking, I mean, will he surely give? Of course he will. Yeah, of course he will. Um, But yeah, to keep those people firm in the faith so that they would endure, you know, Remembering what he has done of old. Remember how he kept his promises. Yeah. Any other thoughts in there? No. Does anybody have anything that they want to share about that that you wrote down? Sorry, I just kind of jumped on it, but uh, <laughs> it's it's. You know how I get. I've had I've had I've had some coffee this morning. So. Uh, and I'm trying. And you know what? I'm trying to lower my my. Consumption of coffee so that whenever I do have some coffee, I'm going, you know. it's I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders right now. Coffee's anybody good else? for you.
2: Huh? Coffee is good for
0: you. Oh, yeah, that's good for you. But I'm trying to switch to tea in the afternoons. So uh, kind of give me a little bit of caffeine, but not get me jittery. Anyways. Um, anybody else have something they want to share for that one?
1: Well, I, I put down, I mean, we've just got to remain faithful to God. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, trust in him. He yeah. will, he'll take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, trust in him for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, very good. So be faithful. I, I got this from my supervisor when I was on, um, Vicarage, and I'm pretty sure he got it from somewhere else. It's kind of how pastors do this. We're we're never all that original. Um, we always get it from other people, if anywhere from the Bible, you know, something like that. But the promises that God makes are the promises He keeps. Right? He's good on His word. Right? He He will be faith, and He will bring you through. You know, um, just do what is given for you to do, trusting in Him that He'll pick up He'll pick up the slack. You know, trusting that. When you do his will in faith, he will bless you, right? Um, and even his will is to have faith, yeah? So he's gonna help you all the way in every sense of the word, yeah? So he's just asking God, remember what you've done and do it again. Keep doing it, keep being good and gracious, right? So, how about that next question? Habakkuk pictures the Lord coming from Mount Sinai to deliver his people. This scene pictures God's acts of deliverance of all ages. What does God do for His people, and how does He act against uh, against His enemies? See that in verses three through seven. I start with that first question: What does God do for His people? What does He do?
1: Well, I wrote, God reveals His power and His presence at work in the world
0: that's right so what does he do with this power for his people what did he do in uh the exodus terrible. yeah uh did he just say y'all just sit tight keep being slaves It's all good. For
1: 400 years. Well, I mean, yeah, for
0: for 400 years for sure. But when he brought them out, yeah. (laughs) When he brought them out, it was pretty wondrous, right? Well, in God's time, that was only a second. Yeah. It was only a blink of an eye. Destroyed the enemies. That's right. That's That's right. That's right. Yeah. But you're right, Karen. He destroyed the enemies, right, of God. He destroyed them. And he uses them to destroy themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Exodus, all the plagues, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's kind of funny, I didn't learn this until I went to the seminary, I guess that's why they send you there. Um, (laughs) all the plagues in, uh, in, um, the Exodus, right, all the plagues are attacking the gods that the Egyptians worshipped, Right. They had a frog god, you know. They had they had the Nile was a god to them, right? And he made it run with blood, right? Um, Let me see what else was. uh, Let me see, like the sun was their god. The sun was their god, and he blacked it out, you know. And then and rain fire, (laughs) and he rained yeah, and he rained fire, consumed their crops, right? The locusts, you know, and the boils and the plagues and everything like that. And he afflicted Pharaoh, who was a God-king, right? Um, So Pharaoh was touched by God. All the other things that they put their full faith and trust in were afflicted and destroyed or brought low, right? So he used their own deceitful—or their own deceived hearts against them. Very interesting, right? So he saved—so that first question is, what does God do for his people— he uh, he comes to his people when they cry out to him, right? Because for four hundred years they weren't they weren't in dire straits. It was towards the end of that, right? Um, once the pharaohs forgot who Joseph was, then they started to afflict the Hebrews because they were m- multiplying, you know, so much that they could easily overcome the Egyptians if they wanted to, right? By number. And so um, when they call out to him, he delivers them out of that, right? Um, But he uses his glory, his brightness. It says, his brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power, right? The, The pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. Yeah, he leads them, but he clothes himself within a certain... Presence, so that they won't see his full glory and be destroyed. Yeah, you know? but before him went pestilence and plague, followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. the The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan. In affliction, the curtains of the land of of Midian did tremble, right? He is showing his glory to deliver his people, right? Um, And for that, they give him thanks and praise. I mean, what's the first thing that happens after Pharaoh is drowned in the Red Sea? What immediately happens after that? Y'all remember?
1: They built an altar. Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh.
0: No um, well I mean, you know what they might in response but I'm thinking of uh, yeah no I don't I don't think they yeah they didn't build an altar but they did immediately in Exodus 15 well 14 leading into 15, 14 verse 30, Exodus 14 verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Um, Israel saw the great power that, that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Right? It's singing thanks and praise. That's immediately what they do. Immediately they give thanks and praise to God. Right? Um, so with that, we've kind of already given this away, but how does God act against, against um Uh, How does he act against his enemies? What does he do to his enemies?
1: (laughs) Well, he Um, shot arrows.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, We already said this, right? He uses their own power against them. He turns their false gods on them to show that he is the one true God. Yeah. He whoever takes a stands against him is destroyed. Uh do we relish that? I mean, on some level you would say yes, but only because their affliction has ceased. But we don't glory in well I, I mean we we glory in a certain way to giving thanks thanks to God that he has he has uh triumphed over um those who stand opposed to him. But at the same time, I mean, we, we pray for mercy and that those who would believe would, right? Um, it's really tough because uh, we pray that God would stop those who would do bad things, right? Who would sin against God and against their, uh, their neighbors, We pray that he would stop them, and we rejoice that God would deliver the righteous, right? Those who trust in him. And in the end, we only really see it as um, a triumph over sin and death, right? Um, We talk about Pharaoh in the sense that he is kind of the picture of sin, right? Um, And we use him as a warning, yeah? So that others might not follow in his path. Um, that is the ultimate goal, is that people would turn away from their sinful, uh, is there, from their sinful ways and live. Yeah? Um, it's not about saying, you know, yeah, God, you just destroy everyone that hates you and, and we want it to happen right now. I mean, that's kind of what the disciples did, right? Call down fire from heaven and consume these people. And Jesus rebuked them for it, right? Um, it was it was it was not something that was given for him to do. It wasn't the time or the place that will come. Right, it will come on the last day when all who uh, are deceived by um, Satan will be tossed into the lake of fire with him. But we pray that as many people that can be saved will be saved. Yeah, because that's God's will. And well, we should continually
2: pray for deliverance from unbelief. That's right, for for ourselves too. Yeah, right? Yeah. For everyone. For everyone. Yeah, but especially those who are, are not believers. That's right, because we want them to be saved.
0: Uh, when you, when when Jesus says, "Pray for those who persecute you," you're praying that they would stop persecuting you, but you're also praying that they would turn from that sinful way and be saved. Yeah, because you actually do care for them. You are trying to have the mind and the heart of Christ that would seek their um, deliverance and salvation, yeah? So, but in the end, whoever does not repent and has taken a stand against God, they will be destroyed. I mean, that's just plain as day. It's going to happen for those who do not heed his call to uh, depart from sin and trust in him, right? Any thoughts on that?
2: Keep praying for the Democrats.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And all this other stuff they're trying to force down our throat. Oh, man.
0: You know, it's just one of those things about... You know, I I try not to say who you should vote for outside of just the principles of things, you know. Um, I even if there, were, if there was a Republican who was saying, well, abortion on demand, I'd say, well, no. Just because you're a Republican doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you on that. right? Uh, so it's like on the principle of things, on God's word, right? we have to live. So if there are those in leadership who are acting against God's word, we pray for them that they would stop. And we also pray that God would keep them from doing bad things. And we pray that He would have mercy, right? Yeah Thanks for bringing that up, Tim. Um, it's very relevant. Uh, so how about that next question? The Lord acted., it, uh, yeah, the, the Lord acted to protect His people and destroy his enemies. He often used uh, nature to do this such as when he made a path in the sea to, um, to allow Israel to walk through, or when he made the sun stand still so his people could f- finish defeating um, their enemies. He was not angry with the forces of nature, as you see in verse 8. So what was he using the forces of nature to do? Verses nine through thirteen. So he wasn't angry with the forces of nature, but what was he using the forces of 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 nature to do? He
1: put in rivers. What's
0: that? He put in rivers with the earth but in rivers yeah what was his end goal in, the, in doing that destroy the image of his people that's right he is the God who's created the heavens and the earth he uses those means to the end of delivering his people yeah um, and you kind of see that throughout history too it's kind of funny uh, wasn't there there's there's kind of an, it just brings to mind. Sorry, I'm, it's it's a little bit of a tangent, but it has something to do with this. Not that, so I'm not going to be a full apologist for the Church of England, right? Uh, I'm a Lutheran, and they've actually done some terrible things to Lutherans in the past. On some level, with under King Henry the uh, like um, Robert Barnes, who was burnt at the stake. And a good friend of Luther, by the way. Um, But what I will say is that under Queen Elizabeth I, the Spanish, uh, who were Roman Catholic, tried to go against, they sent their full fleet uh, against Britain, and what happened? Got defeated. They got defeated because uh, there was a great storm that destroyed the entire Spanish armada, or at least most of it, to the point where they were just They couldn't do anything, and so they saw that as divine help. Yeah, that uh, and in hindsight, people say, "Well, they should have known better because it's like what? It's still God doing work with the natural powers uh, to deliver deliver His people on some level, right?" So it's just it's one of those things. Um, The English saw that as um, divine intervention. Uh, and, and you can see it in other things too. But God uses, uh, God is a God who works by means. He can do uh, miraculous things like, you know, cure people from cancer, shrink tumors, things like that. More often than not, though, He works by the means of other people and through creation as well, right? So um, He uses these things to deliver his people from harm you know, and to remind them that he is the one who controls all things yeah you know. any, any thoughts or questions about that
2: uh, just like the recent hurricane in Florida you know if that would have been up in the northeastern city they would have been wailing and bemoaning because the government's not down there helping them. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I mean I don't care whether you, whether you like the sanders or not you said the heck with the government. We're going to take care of ourselves and we're going to... The federal government, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we're going to be back in operation and everything else. Yeah. And we're not right going to get them. on FEMA. Yeah. You know, and all the people up north are saying, well, he should have he should have asked for all this help from the government. Well, why? I mean, why do you want to wait a year before you get any help when you do it yourself? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of interesting...
0: God works through means, and he can work through the means of your government. But when the government is made up by people, and you have people next to you who can help you, and they're waiting for someone else to help, that's pretty useless, mm. right? Um, and we as Christians don't wait around for other people to help when we can, right? We—if, um, we, we if according to the fifth commandment, right, you shall not—you uh, shall not— Murder. I was reading this the other day in the Large Catechism where Luther's like this also applies to if you see someone who needs help, if you see someone outside who's freezing and they don't have a shirt on, or they don't have a jacket on, and you just go by and they freeze to death, you're culpable. Right? And that like even in the world's eyes you would see you would be seen as a bad person because you saw someone who needed help, you could have helped them and you didn't, right? Speaking of which, thank you, Peggy. That's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when you see someone in help, you help them, right? You see someone in need of help, you help them. Um, you show God's love to them because it's, it's not only the right thing to do, it's what God has commanded us to do, and we live that by faith, yeah? We cherish that commandment because it's good for other people, um, and we will, as a result, be blessed by it, right? Uh, because we have been a blessing to other people. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's actually a very Christian thought to say, I'm, gonna w- I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do it. I'm going to be the means, the created thing that is going to bring aid to those around me. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. How God is at work. Yeah. Any other thoughts about that? No? Okay. So, number four, last question in the discuss discuss portion here. Um, All God's battles culminated in the great battle between um, God's anointed one, Jesus, and the head of the house of the wicked, Satan. How did Jesus crush this wicked leader? how did he do it? He stripped him
1: from head to toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: he fleeced him, basically, right? Right. Um, Rose from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you went out for the salvation of your... This is verse 13, right? You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your, your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. Oh, what does that sound like? Oh, Genesis 3, maybe, right? That he will, you will bruise, he will crush your head and he will bruise your heel. Or it wasn't, no, yeah. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Yeah, he's speaking to Satan there. You will crush the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his, with, with, His own arrows, the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. Uh, By death, Christ conquered death, right? Through the punishment that was given on the whole world because of the disobedience of one man, so through that curse, not not, not quotations there, but through that curse, one man delivers all people. It's fantastic. It's, it's so poetic. It's literally poetic justice, right? Um, that the thing which Satan torments others with, he is defeated. Yeah? Uh, therefore, when, when we think about death or when we're faced with death, we can laugh. Not because we're crazy, but because death has been conquered. Yeah? Yeah? Death by death has been defeated, um, so uh, that's that's why I love I love all the uh, the pictures of uh, where you see um, Jesus's cross planted into the ground, but underneath the cross is a serpent's tail mm-hmm. because he's been crushed by the cross, you know, or as I've seen before, and and it's really neat. I think it's, it's from this one artist or this like group of artists in this collective, I think called like, um, full of eyes or something like that. It's talking about the, the seraphim, you know? Uh, but anyways, um, it's this one picture that this one drawing they have where it's focusing on the feet of Christ crucified. And, uh, it's kind of like where, um, I'll do my best to, to duplicate it. You know, so the cross is here, and uh, his legs are here with his feet, right? And they're crucified there. So there's Jesus hanging on the cross, yeah? And uh, then you see under the feet this this mouth that's about to devour with, uh, you know, teeth. And this mouth, and the and it's like curling and going around the cross, right? And it's a snake. And it's trying, and it's like about to get his feet, and the nail is just going straight through his head. Wow! It's fantastic. It's just a great, great picture. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's curling around the cross, about to just strike on his heel, and that nail is, dr- is driven straight through his head, killing him. That's just so cool.
2: Um, It's such a cool
0: picture, you know? Um, So, but that's how it works, right? It's poetic justice, yeah? He thinks he's about to win, and right as he's about to win, he's destroyed. And it's funny, my mom called me the other day, and she said, you know, and this is what this makes me think of real quick before we get to the apply section. Um... What is it? So, my mom called me the other day and she said, you know, she talked to my grandma, her mom, and she, and my grandmother is Baptist and she watches all these Baptist preachers on TV. What are they talking about right now? The end of the world. That's what they're talking about right now. They're saying Jesus is coming back soon. And I'm just thinking to myself, I think Luther said that too. And I think Paul said something about that too. But, you know, it it could be any day now, you know, of course, of course, it's true, it's true. So, but the thing is, is that she said, I just want, you know, they're they're talking about all this and that and the other, what's happening in the end times, what the Bible says about it. Do you preach about that? I said, yeah, yeah, I preach about that. Uh, I said, we're actually coming up on the season of Advent where that's going to be a big theme, right? And we're coming up... So this coming Sunday is the last Sunday of the church year, and it's the last Sunday. And in, our, in the way that the lectionary has been set up for us, the last Sunday is always talking about what the last day is going to be like, right? The end of time as we know it for the new time that is to come in Christ when he comes back. And then Advent is not just waiting for the coming of Christ at Christmas, but the coming of Christ at the end of the world, right? So it's like, yep, yeah, I'm going to be talking about that a lot coming up in these next couple weeks because our um, calendar provides for that. Anyways, I was reading to her uh, Revelation 20, um, and I said, and and, you know, it's just kind of interesting how even in the end, when you see that picture of Jesus' feet about to be consumed by the snake, and right as it looks like he's about to devour him, the nail goes through his head. Right as it seems like Satan is about to win, he's defeated. Revelation 20, um, verse 11. No, um, sorry, verse 7. So I talked about how we don't believe in a rapture, right? The thousand-year reign is happening right now. Sorry to get into the end times, but this is kind of pertinent, right? We believe that christ Okay, first of all, where is Christ right now?
1: Right,
0: Right. he is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father. The the right hand is the place of power. He reigns on the throne. He's in the midst of the throne as the Lamb, right? So with that, he reigns. We are in the thousand-year reign right now. It's been more than our reckoning of a thousand years, but it's a symbolic 1,000 years, right? Christ reigns right now. And... Uh, we see in Revelation 20 a lot of allusions to uh, baptism, uh, the first death, which will save you from the s- which will save you from the, the second death, which is being tossed into the lake of fire, right? But we see that the devil is chained right now during this thousand year reign. Yeah? He cannot accuse us anymore. He's chained, and he can only afflict us so much, right? God will not allow him to tempt us beyond what we can handle according to his will and to his grace, right? So the devil is chained right now. He's like a dog on a chain. Stay out of his yard and you won't get bit, right? What will happen at the end, when the thousand years are through, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the, the, the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Right? So he's surrounding the camp of the saints. This is all symbolic, right, to say that it's it's looking like the forces of darkness are about, they're surrounding his church, and they are sieging it, and they look like they will win. It's right about the time, I said it's, it's gonna get worse before it gets better, because what happens, according to, to um, Revelation 20, is that they surround his church. They surround his saints. And then right as they're about to strike, you can kind of see that right there, right? They're primed to win. They're about to win. And then what happens? Fire comes down from heaven and consumes them. And the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Right? Again, as if, because Satan doesn't learn his place. He never learns, right? He always thinks that he can win. Even though in the back of his mind, he knows that it's hopeless, right? He's always trying to win. And when it looks like at the very end, he's just about to, he's destroyed. It's not going to be this great big battle that's going to go on for years and years and years. It's going to be over. In an instant. Just like at the cross.
2: Right? Come, Lord Jesus.
0: Amen. Right? So that's why we pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because when you come, it's over. It's over. Yeah? So anyways, I want to point that out. Because it's kind of neat how it repeats itself. Right? Um, and then you see that, that as soon as that happens, as soon as Satan is destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire, the great white throne comes down, and the new heavens and the new earth come, and the resurrection of the dead takes place, right? And, uh, and, and all, who are, all who have uh, their, lo- their names written in the book of life Which is interesting because it also talks about, um, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done, right? Um, We're not saying that works save you. We're saying that your faith has saved you and that faith can't help but do good things, right? Um, And so you will be judged by what you have done, but in faith, yeah? you'll be said, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Well done. You trusted. Yeah? You trusted in God to save you. And look at the wonderful things that came from that. Yeah? And that's why it says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, you want your name in that book. Give you want to be baptized. You want to trust
2: Jesus. Yeah? heal them angels. Right. Yeah. The angels will be judged all.
0: Yeah, and it's very interesting. We could have, this last week on Sunday, had the reading of the sheep and the goats, but I figured I'd save the hard-hitting ones for like this Sunday, which is about the ten virgins, which is kind of fun. Anyways, uh, it's it's a tough one.
1: and how many cups of coffee have you had? Yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> One and a half. Uh but no, it was but that's not there. But it was a French press, so that oh. stuff's really strong. Um, <laughs> not there <or> enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is that uh, there's 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 stuff there's stuff to be found in scripture where, you know, there what we do matters. Yeah. You know? What we do matters. Now you may say, like, well what what about somebody who's who's like who's, like, comatose or uh, non-responsive. Or whatever? It's like, well, I'm not talking about them, right? I'm talking about us who are walking around on earth and able to do the things that God has called us to do in that way or whatever. I mean, even if you're someone who's stuck at home because you can't get out, you can still pray, right? That's a good deed. That's a, that's a good work um, done in faith, right? So, anyways, I, I just want to point that out. It's very interesting how... Satan is always defeated right as he's about to win. So that means that we should not give up hope. Yeah, Our hope is in Christ who wins the victory over sin and death. In fact, I love doing that with Charlotte. We'll go to our crucifix. I did that this, this, this morning. I was just like, uh, we saw her. We, we, we go to the crucifix and she goes, um, and I said, you want to kiss, uh, do you want to kiss Jesus? And so she kisses him on the head. And then, and then she just points because there's a skull at his feet. She goes, that's death. And I said, that's right, baby. That's death. I said, Jesus beat death. And she goes, huh. You know? And <laughs> I And it's like, Jesus beat death. And I said, who is Jesus? And she goes, he's my Savior. Aww. And I said, what did he do for you? And she goes, he died on the cross. And, when, and then what happened? And he rose from the dead.
2: I was like, That's
0: right, baby. Jesus beat death. She went, uh-huh. And then she, and then she just looks at me and says, "I think I want some milk." So, yeah. you know, uh <laughs> just the way it goes. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the apply section real quick. Um, so <laughs> what did Habakkuk resolve to do in view of God's promise uh, verse 16? Start there. What, what did Habakkuk resolve to do in view of God's promise? What does it say at the, at the last part of verse 16 there? Wait patiently. Yeah, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us, right? Um, he waits for God to do what he's promised to do. So how can we put this resolve into practice for our own lives? We're,
1: we're waiting for this
0: nation to fall flat on its face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, temporarily, right? We're, we're, we're waiting for, on some of it's kind of funny, it's like, I feel like people are waiting for a collapse but I wonder if it's already kind of happening on some level, right? I mean, morally, it is. morally yeah. and ethically, it's yeah, yeah. we've already collapsed on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, so now's the time to rebuild. Yeah, uh, fortify your families, fortify your church. Um, build, you know, you know, faithfully contribute to the 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 remnant that God has promised, right? Um, that's kind of weird. It sounds kind of crazy cuz when you say this, yeah, I can talk with y'all cuz we're we're of we're on the same page in a lot of ways, right? But um, as a pastor, looking out in the world and us looking at our kids, and Charlotte's only 2, Henry's about to be 8 months or so. And um, we say, what are we going to do? You know, how how are we going to teach them about what's wrong but not expose them fully to it all this stuff but god willing the more children we have uh the more we'll be able to at least instill in them the faith that is for all the saints and so that they will be part of the remnant that will rebuild right and pick up the pieces and you know do god's will until he comes right uh, so, waiting... But that takes a lot of patience. takes <laughs> a lot of patience.
1: Be still and know that I am God. That's right.
0: That's right. So, be still. And um, we will be... We, I mean... It's one of those things... Uh, one, of my, one of my friends from, from seminary, when we were at symposia this last January, he said, Is there anything I can pray for you for? And I said... Pray that I would have patience and contentment, and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know what they say, right? When when you pray for these things, God gives you opportunities to practice it, right?" And I said, "Jonah, he's gonna do it anyways, so I might as well pray for it, you know." <laughs> so he's a he's he's a friend of mine who's a pastor up I think in South Dakota, but yeah. He's, uh, he's and so and so he just laughed. He's like, I love you, man. I was like, Well, I mean, it's true. Well, he's gonna he's gonna give you opportunities to practice contentment and patience, anyways. You might as well just pray for patience and contentment. So, uh, but we can wait, right? He will save us. He already has, right? He already has. We live in this world of now and not yet. Yeah, that we are saved right now, and yet he will fulfill it even more so on the last day. Yeah, and it'll be a glorious day. Judgment day for us will be a day of being pronounced not guilty.
2: Yeah.
0: Any other thoughts on that? How we can put this resolve into practice for our own lives? What do you all think?
2: I have lots of kids.
0: I have lots of kids. <laughs> I, hey, we're trying. Um, in fact, I think Amelia said that after she came, she came back, was it on Sunday. It might have been the baby shower, for Emily mm-hmm. Filer now. Um, but she said that people were asking. It's like, so y'all think about having another one? You know, kind of thing. It's like, what? We're we're looking into it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, well, we'll let you know. We'll let you know if God if God blesses us for sure. Um, but yeah, if God if God wills it, of course, do we find ourselves at certain points in time saying oh we got two this is tough do we want more and you know that's the simple flesh trying to get the better of us and, and we always find ourselves saying yeah our kids are awesome we love our kids they're great You know. so we want we would love to have more and we'd like to continue others to to, to continue to encourage uh, those who still can have kids to have kids uh, as many as God would bless them with know. No,
2: because the unbelievers aren't having kids they're aborting them and a morning, Adam. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. So if we live long enough, there won't be any unbelievers left. <laughs> well, that's one way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's that's one way to see it. It's sad though. It's sad because you want them to know the blessing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they see they see God's blessing as a curse, right? Um so even more we Pray for them and we entreat them to not see it that way, right? See it, see, see kids for what they are, right? Blessings. Blessings for sure. Um all right, so we must often suffer, this is the next part, right? We must often suffer through the punishment God, the punishments God brings on the wicked of this world. How did Habakkuk express this fact in verse 17? What does he say in verse 17 about uh, going through the punishments God brings on the wicked of this world?
2: Even if I starve to death, I'll praise the Lord.
0: Yeah. If, I, if the harvest fails, right? if I have to, you know scrimp and save and sacrifice just so I can eat, uh, let alone don't worry about what I'm wearing, right? Or whether or not I can have the heat on or the, or, uh, the air conditioning, <laughs> as it most of the time is here in Texas, right? Um, if I can barely just think about eating, um, yeah, I mean, because, because God is bringing judgment on the sins of people temporarily right now, Yeah, I will still, uh, well, he says, why is his attitude the only right attitude for us to have? What does he say um, there in verses 18 through 19 after he says, even if I'm starving, what?
1: You'll rejoice.
0: Yes, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Yeah. So why is that attitude the only right attitude for us to have? What
2: do you think? He's, he's already promised that one day we'll be in paradise. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, right. what else is there? Right, yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean, he is our strength. Um, even that thief on the cross was saved by the Word of God, right? I read something recently, um, which I'm going to be sharing with the, the uh, Sons of Solomon, uh, this book. It's a really, really short book. So um, it's, it was written by uh, an Anglican priest back in 1886, and it's very relevant for today. It's called Thoughts for Thoughts. For 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 young men, and he's pleading with young men not to give in to temptations and to be Christians and to go to church and do all these things and not see that as a bad thing. Right. Um, And one of the things he says about the thief on the cross is is, he says uh, one man was saved by Christ himself on the cross so that we might have hope. But remember that only one man was saved so that you would not presume. Does that make sense? That out of all the people there, at the crucifixion, only that one thief on the cross was for sure said, you will be with me today in paradise. So that we would say, I'm not going to presume that that's me, but I'll trust that that promise is for me too. You know, it's like one of those things like we shouldn't presume that, oh, just because we're baptized. It's kind of funny. People accuse the Lutherans all the time. We, they say that we teach this stuff where it's like once saved, always saved. You're baptized, you're good. We never say that. You're baptized. You want to come to church. You want to hear God's word. You want to do good things, right? According to God's word. And it's just like, but according to Christ, we are uh, saved by his blood. And that promise for the thief is for us too. But, I mean, we shouldn't presume these things uh, lest we be the other thief who scorns Jesus, right? Um, We shouldn't presume these things and think that there's there's, uh, nothing more to it on some level, right? Uh, because I think Jesus also says, you know, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Yeah. So, the life of a Christian is a tough life, but it is one that is made possible by God's own strength, right? Like Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Yeah. All we have is from Him. We trust in Him. Um, We should rejoice, even though things are falling down around us. Because like I said from Revelation 20, though it looks like we're being surrounded by the enemy, we know that in the end, they will be defeated. We know that that's the truth. That is our hope. That's been shown in Jesus's death and His being raised from the dead. All right. Any other thoughts or questions about this, Habakkuk? Who would have thought there's so much there in three chapters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much there. It was a good,
1: good suggestion that we go through Habakkuk. Thank you, Karen. yeah,
0: appreciate it Um, I I, I honestly wouldn't have thought to do Habakkuk uh, but I'm glad we did it Um, well, any, any closing thoughts or comments about this study about what you've learned things that God has put on your heart from this book no all good to go (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> never really, okay, never really. I really delved into it like that. That was good, good, good. Well, be still and know that He is God, right? Be still and know that your salvation is won by the blood of Christ. Yeah, amen. 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 All right, well, let's go ahead and close then uh, with the Lord's Prayer. So, taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Our Father, Father, who
2: art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
0: on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.